Welcome to Data Puzzle, the weekly podcast which looks at deconstructing the data puzzle. I'm your host, Tim Sand. In this week's podcast episode, Cataloging Medical Information, I examine what is involved in cataloging health records, including the collection, storage, and retrieval of health information, and how technology differences between different medical disciplines makes the process more complex. I will focus on the importance that each of master data, reference data, metadata, data quality, analytics, and data security play in creating accurate patient medical records. As well, I will look at how governance is everyone's role in the medical profession and its importance to the overall patient encounter. I hope you enjoy the show. As I touched on in the Season 1 podcast episode on COVID-19, there is much data collected. In this episode, I won't be focusing on data such as equipment availability, inventory of supplies, or even vaccine administration. In this podcast, I will look at the end-to-end medical processes in the hospital setting, looking at people, process technology, and data interactions. When a patient needs to see a medical practitioner, the activity is known as an encounter. An encounter, the general experience, can have many procedures, such procedures being, for example, the need to have blood work done, get an MRI, and so on. As each procedure uses, necessarily, different medical equipment to collect and process specific medical information, i.e. the specimen, and also different medical personnel, the sum total of all procedures comprise the patient encounter. Let's focus on how the information is created, collected, stored, accessed, retrieved, modified, analyzed, and destroyed throughout the data lifecycle. So let's talk now about specifically what happens when a patient needs to get to a hospital. The first procedures are the registration and administration processes. During these processes, the patient presents himself or herself with the required medical attention. The patient may present either voluntarily or involuntarily. In the case of voluntary presentation, the patient self-presents at the hospital. In the case of involuntary presentation, the patient is transported via emergency medical services or EMS to a hospital. When the patient presents, three types of data asset classes are collected. Demographic information such as name, address, contact number, age, and gender. If the patient lives locally, this information is encoded to the medical healthcare card. As well, the healthcare card contains the second data asset class, patient eligibility for government-funded medical coverage. The third and final data assets pertain to the immediate medical issue and including any EMS medical triage information and may also include any relevant personal or family medical history if available. The exact method by which the data is collected at hospital admissions may vary, and so I generalize here. Regardless of the method of transport, the data required is essentially the same. Some basic demographics, confirmation of appropriate medical coverage, and specifics about the current medical need. So let's take a look at the admission side. Once the patient has been registered and based on the specific medical requirements, which most often requires that the patient see a physician first, the patient can then be admitted. Admission involves assigning a patient an encounter number which will follow the patient throughout the stay until discharged. 
Based upon the initial examination, the patient is then assigned an inpatient bed in a specific medical ward on the floor in a nursing unit. During the admission, the patient already has undergone an internal transfer from the registration desk to the inpatient ward. The data must be made available to the staff in the receiving unit. And once that information is available in the receiving unit, the medical staff can retrieve the information in preparation for receiving the patient. Medical condition determines location of where the patient goes, and it's based on whether or not they need immediate surgery or can go to the bed and so on. So where do data governance and data management fit in the registration and admission process? Data governance plays a role in that there are certain data collection practices during both registration and admission. For example, patients will be asked or should be asked if possible to confirm their demographic information. This is to ensure that patients have been formally identified. It may be that if the patient is unconscious, a next of kin needs to provide identification if someone is available. So this portion of governance means performing the same process each time to ensure that patients have been identified. During this process, admissions clerks and EMS staff have been approved to collect this information as part of their roles. You could classify such roles as data creators. Each role is also responsible for collection, safeguarding, and making the information available to the next person in the medical process. The admissions clerk collects the three data asset classes of information, verifies patient identity, ensures that the data is not left in an open space or shared with staff that don't have a need to know as part of their jobs, and then passes the information to the correct inpatient ward or medical unit. The emergency medical technician performs the same tasks and also performs any medical triaging as required and if possible. From a data management perspective, the admitting system should contain standardized data fields or fields defined in a consistent manner to collect demographic information, some fields of which form part of the patient's mastered record, some information related to reference data, such as medical codes, and also quality of information is key, a factor in ensuring patient safety. Having the incorrect information collected or entered may result in an incorrect downstream process. I say this in a hypothetical sense only here. Finally, patient privacy is of particular importance, which may be aided by any of standard operating procedures for collecting and entering patient information into a computer application and subsequent secure storage, secure for both from both unauthorized access and potential and privacy breaches. In the case of an EMS transfer to hospital, upon arrival at a medical facility, EMS transfer the patient as per hospital protocols and a patient is then registered into the patient registration system. The same information needs to be entered into the system as with the self-presentation, unless there is a secure upload where EMS pre-enters the data thereby bypassing the need for on-site registration. The patient is then triaged to the appropriate medical unit based on the presenting condition. Now, in terms of creating the patient chart, once the patient has been admitted, a medical chart is created which contains symptoms, tests required, and any relevant comorbidities. Medical codes known as ICD codes or International Classification of Disease Codes are used to classify medical conditions and or presenting patient symptoms 
which then trigger the appropriate testing and, if possible, treatment pathways. However, I do believe that this is not the only determining factor in diagnosing and treatment. Other information is required, such as age, gender, ethnic background, and personal, immediate, and family medical histories. This is the initial data collection and resides within some form of database, which will be creating the initial patient profile. Data can be divided into demographic information, medical information, and healthcare coverage information. For healthcare coverage information, we look at government funded versus private funded versus insurance covered versus no, no coverage at all. From the initial data entry, information will flow through three streams. Demographic data remains in the patient identification database. Medical information is sent to the appropriate connected systems based on required testing and associated treatments. In other words, all testing equipment with a specified medical branch, such as cardiology. Each specialized medical system will have its own database and data dictionaries. These systems need to be interconnected with appropriate messaging between applications, something known as HO7 messaging or electronic data interchange for healthcare systems, ensuring the data can communicate uh, between the systems and interpreted correctly. And the third piece of information is healthcare coverage information, which will most likely land up in the accounting department. So let's now take a closer look at the inpatient stay. So once the patient is admitted to a unit, the formal process of investigation and diagnosis begins. The process involves several medical staff carrying out standard medical processes, using a variety of medical instruments and performing a variety of medical tests and then processing those test results. Results are then reviewed perhaps by a cohort of medical professionals from different medical specialties. And then a course of treatment begins. This course of treatment may involve yet more and different medical personnel performing yet different tests and medical procedures to close the process and get the patient to the end of the stay. For example, a cancer patient undergoes a variety of medical tests before surgery. During surgery, the medical team's goal may be to remove the cancer entirely if possible. After surgery, the patient will have follow-up tests and perhaps more treatments. The entire process stems from data collected before, during, and after the surgery in a number of medical applications. All of this information needs to be formally defined so that when collected and processed, it can be interpreted consistently. So let's look at an example of measuring and collecting medical information. We'll use the example of taking blood pressure. When we look at blood pressure readings, there are elements of data quality involved, data quality dimensions, data quality thresholds, and related clinical normalcy rules. For example, normal blood pressure is considered as 120 over 80, known as systolic and diastolic. Measurements are in units of millimeters of mercury. For the data quality dimensions, we have completeness and accuracy. The data type is numeric and the format is three characters. It is typically recorded in whole numbers. In addition, there are clinical rules which state that if the blood pressure is too low or too high, a response is triggered and it's also standard medical protocol. We can think of these limits as minimum and maximum limits of operating limits in system design for acceptable and valid data ranges. For the example above, if the data results are within a reference range of values which are considered normal, and normal varies based on age, gender, ethnicity, and medical health, 
then the course of treatment will be different than if the result values fall outside the normal range of values, either being too low or too high. Now let's take the analysis to the next level. We see data quality principles in action here in that the data must be complete that is collected and must have a specific format and type. For blood pressure, as I mentioned, we get two whole numbers as noted above, a maximum of three digits. And let's say that a normal reference range for systolic pressure is 100, between 100 and 150. And let's say that the clinical rule indicates that if the systolic is greater than 150, then there's a medical issue. Likewise, let's say if it's less than 100, the blood pressure might be considered too low, and there's a different type of medical issue to investigate. This is then the basis for the utilization of the clinical rules related to interpreting the blood pressure readings. There is also a component of data coming from the medical equipment, which is used to collect the data. Let's examine th this facet next. Data is collected and processed using a variety of medical instruments and computer software applications. Medical instruments are physically connected to the patient to collect specific biometric data, such as blood pressure in this example. That medical instrument then sends data to a receiving medical application, which interprets the collected information and associates numeric values. In translating the data into a readable or numeric format, or perhaps the data is already sent in a readable format and so no data transformation is required, a specific set of medical clinical rules can be applied for the test results. Data collected from each instrument is connected to software and loaded into the application applicable database and then attached to the patient's encounter by way of a primary data identifier, typically known as a specific patient encounter number for that hospital stay. So let's now take a look at system design. All systems should contain the specific patient encounter number so the test results can be attached to the appropriate patient's electronic medical chart. While the common patient data attributes, and by common I mean that they would be replicated the same for the same patient in each medical application software program, should only be stored within the encounter management system. The specific medical tests data elements should be stored in the specific medical application and then connected to the main encounter management system by the appropriate encounter number, as I've already discussed. Also, healthcare coverage information, along with any physician data, could also be stored at the encounter level. So patient demographic and healthcare coverage data should be stored at the encounter level and any specific medical data at the medical application level. Data is then linked through the encounter number or patient ID. Other examples of medical information systems may include things like diagnostic imaging, cardiology, and so on. Regardless of the medical information system that's used, data travels between such systems using a data integration messaging system known as HL7 messaging, specific to medical information, allowing information to flow between systems. Significant testing is required to ensure that data is correctly processed between systems. Each system sends a specific subset of information about the patient via the encounter number or ID to the main patient file stored in the encounter management system. Together, all of the medical applications and the main encounter management system provide a complete picture of the patient medical chart. 
a 360 degree view of the patient, if you like. Such complex complexities can result in the potential for data integrity issues, however. The design of medical applications for the collection of specific clinical data applies rigorous inclusion of master data, reference data, and metadata design patterns. For example, master data would include creating a high quality data set known as a golden record for that system. Mastering the patient record means comparing patient information and matching the records to ensure that the correct patient gets the correct medical tests, drugs, medical treatments, and so on. This process known as probabilistic matching needs to be applied. If a data quality issue does result, then an incident following that requires remediation to the point where patient safety is not a concern. The entire concept that I'm talking about here is indeed theoretical, as I don't have any documented evidence to the contrary, but point this out as a potential data issue, since there are many separate medical knowledge domains potentially using a customized or a legacy system with different data dictionaries, which may or may not reconcile. And as a result, this increases the complexity of data sharing between medical disciplines. The design also includes standard reference data, such as medical codes discussed earlier. And the metadata is very specific. Things like we discussed for blood pressure data. And data must be, of course, 100% accurate. Aside from these design principles, patient data must be protected as per applicable privacy laws. Certain data which identifies you as a patient is highly confidential. Medical systems must be architected with the highest data security in mind and including when data is at rest. And data can only be retained so long as records management policies dictate, which is most often defined and regulated by government. So there is a large implication for data governance here. A variety of people uh, filling various roles have an accountability to properly collect and enter data into the relevant system or systems. Data and information retrieval is based upon role, and this is where patient privacy comes into play. If you don't uh, need this information based on your role, then don't access that information. From a data management perspective, we see that throughout the data lifecycle, all facets play key roles in ensuring that medical practitioners get good, clean, accurate data by which to diagnose and treat patients. So let's move on then to the discharge process. So when a patient is discharged, the medical history is updated indicating the applicable outcomes and next steps, if there are any. There are several process pathways here, but let's just keep things simple and say that the patient's treatment was successful and no post-operative care is required. In this case, there's no further action required. The patient is discharged once the attending physician completes the patient's chart and administrative tasks are closed and the patient is logged out of the room, creating a room vacancy. Now, if there are, is further treatment required in a community setting, then the patient goes through a similar data flow process as in the acute care setting, but in the community or outpatient care facility. And if acute care settings are disconnected from community care settings, now by that I mean if the technology is not connected together, or if there's something with data sharing agreements or data storage, then cross-matching and sharing information about the patient can become even more complex. And if the patient does need outpatient care, the process becomes even more complex again. 
For example, a cancer patient needs to be enrolled in a treatment program, which may involve radiation and chemotherapy. Each of these medical processes contains information about the patient, treatment regime like drug mixture, frequency and duration of treatment, scheduling of treatments, patient education, and medical billing. Each part of the process has defined data collection practices that contribute to the overall medical processes. Either way, the chain of data custody cannot be broken. If it is, then there is a data breach and therefore a violation in privacy laws. So once the patient has been discharged, there are a few analytics which could be created based on the patient's stay. Some elements of information may include things like the length of stay. This will feed things like bed utilization rate, also care pathway, things like what tests and treatments were administered. Is there a data trending pattern between age, gender, ethnicity, underlying medical comorbidities, and success of treatment? This information is then fed into future studies to further refine courses of treatment based on success or failure. Artificial intelligence and machine learning are important developments in the medical profession and supercomputers have been used and they've been extremely helpful in such medical studies of diseases, which is another branch which we call research. Predictive modeling and multiple regression analysis are also common ways to understand disease progression and the impact of treatments. By way of example, COVID-19 models take many factors into account and generate predictions about future infection and mortality rates. And artificial intelligence can also be used to study population behavior patterns and the probability of subsequent uh, rates of infections or rate changes. In the case of COVID-19, scientists started to model predictions about rate changes following what has become known as superspreader events. By looking at multivariate analysis, it is possible to ascertain which data attributes are causal and what effect is generated. If we look at COVID-19, the behavior patterns, that is to say how people are abiding by medical guidelines and data about age, gender, ethnicity, and the presence or absence of comorbidities could be combined with social events based in cultural context to update the predictive models and further trend the probability of infection and degree of severity. As additional clinical data is researched, treatment patterns change, but so too do chronic and underlying comorbidities. What is pervasive today may not be pervasive tomorrow. So it is very problematic for medical professionals to attempt to stay ahead of the curve. This is what makes medical research so important. The creation of the human genome is a complex process which takes place over a nine month period, but is based in millions of years of evolution and millions and millions of cell replications, which must be executed correctly each time. Otherwise disease is a possibility and a probability. And what the science says about a generic disease pattern is not always the same as people are different. Therefore, data is only the starting point. The real strength lies in the experience of the medical profession and professionals. And this is where the true power of artificial intelligence and machine learning come into play by emulating the knowledge of medical professionals, as well as research and patient outcomes, medical procedures and treatment pathways can be enhanced. So in all this, data governance plays a key role here, ensuring that all people, 
play their designated roles to safeguard and correctly collect, enter, and manage all facets of the information. People fill various roles. Unit clerks enter the data and do the data check upon receipt of the information. Health records keeps patient files and perform any phys physician transcriptions, should that still be done. Medical unit teams all play a role in correctly using patient diagnosis information to administer medication, updating the patient chart with particulars, things like drugs, dosage, and time administered. We all take this, perhaps, as standard, but it is critical to ensure patient safety. As well, the aid of technology and computer systems provide additional information about biometric data collected from patients and help assist with the treatment of patients. The data is applied historically to patients with similar medical histories. Also, physicians must accumulate additional knowledge and, and data to mine as populations shift in disease composition. So, governance plays a role on many fronts and the entire medical community is focused on not only patient care, but data quality and patient privacy. Data quality stems from clinical medical glossaries and data dictionaries and all forming part of the master patient record. It's related re reference data and the data quality designed into both source collection at point of instrumentation and in the translation of data between systems to provide a 360 degree view of the patient. Data management is fundamental to the electronic patient chart. System architecture and solution design form the foundation for the data architecture, that is to say the design for the master data, reference data, and metadata. Together, these architectural aspects contribute towards the creation of the master to patient record. As mentioned earlier, the quality of the information is of paramount importance. This is maintained by using standard data reference ranges for specific lab results, for example. As society disease patterns change, these normal reference ranges may shift, and so system design needs to be modified. Otherwise, a once normal range may not be correct in future. Also, since medical information is highly sensitive, patient privacy is a large concern in the medical world. Access to such information is strictly role-based, and systems require design to protect data from inappropriate access by way of various design methods whether encryption or masking or monitoring from unauthorized access. Medical records and samples also require secure storage, whether in physical nature or virtually collected. There are strict guidelines on both storage of medical samples as well as storage of both paper and digital records. And analytics plays a role in aiding the study of disease patterns. Data mining and the use of artificial intelligence and machine learning becomes extremely important for helping prevent disease in future generations. This week's podcast episode was brought to you by Pan-Canadian Data Practice. Visit our website at www.tcdp.ca to find out more. Or you can reach us by giving us a call toll-free at 1-888-507-0422. You can also touch base with us by sending an email to info at tcdp.ca. That's it for this week's podcast. I hope that you enjoyed listening in. 
Tune in to Data Puzzle Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear a variety of topics in the realm of data governance and data management. Until next time, I'm Tim Sand. Bye for now.